Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. How's everybody doing? All right, the few that are here, y'all look good. Everybody at home, hope you're nice and comfy. I'm pretty comfy myself, so join the team. All right, so I got a few quick announcements for you before we jump into the Word. First of all, if you have not joined a life group, there's good news. It's not too late for you to join. You can go on the church website at liferva.org or on the Life Church app and see all the life groups that are available. And if you're still unsure about what group to join, just ask your friends here at Life Church, see what group they're a part of, and then maybe you can give one of those a shot. And if you don't have any friends here yet, all the more reason to join a life group. Amen. Now, the first Wednesday of every month, we have what we call First Wednesday Prayer, where we get together as a church community for a time of worship and prayer right here in the auditorium. So, this coming Wednesday from 7 o'clock to 8 p.m., you have an opportunity to join us and dive that much deeper into your relationship with God. Lastly, our next growth track will be this coming Saturday, February 6th, from 9 a.m. to about 1 p.m. So, if you consider this your home church and you want to officially become a member of Life Church, learn more about who we are and what we do, and get involved in ministry, then Growth Track is for you. So you can simply contact the church office or see Dana and Carter Cobb to sign up and get more details. Awesome. Well, first of all, Pastor Buddy, Pastor Rodney, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. I'm always humbled and honored, so I really appreciate that. And thanks to you all, the cool congregation that we do have. I really appreciate your time and tuning in right here, so thank you for that as well. Now, raise your hand if you enjoy Disney movies. Any Disney fans out there? Awesome. Now, those that are at home, don't get too excited and change the channel to Disney+. Plus. Just stay with me for a little while. But how many of you enjoy those stories of a princess finding true love? There's magic in the air. They get married and live happily ever after. Any, any fans out there for those? Yeah, I like a few of those myself. Well, I have two really good love stories that I want to share with you all today. The first one is a love story between me and my best friend, Jasmine. Yes, indeed. And my second love story is between me and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jasmine is all I need. Amen. <laughs> Now let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says, we know how much God loves us. We know. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Such a beautiful scripture there. Now, it's 2021, and you still haven't found a memory verse yet? I got one for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. It's just four words, super easy to remember. You ready? Very simple. Do everything in love. Do everything in love. Now, for the title of this message today, I want you to imagine Jesus asking you this question. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Everyone that's tuning in, God, I just ask for your Holy Spirit presence to be in every single home, to be here with us today. God, anoint this word, challenge us, and draw us deeper and closer in our relationship with you. Lord, we trust you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I would like to show you a photo up on the screen. You can put photo number one up. So I actually met Jesus and Jasmine around the same time, okay? So this is actually a Sunday school class. You can see my Jasmine on the far left. And then on the far right, you see me with my little thumbs up. Y'all, I still do the thumbs up to this day in pictures, right? (laughs) So it was just so cool that I was able to meet these two right when I was a little toddler age. But what's so interesting is that all of a sudden, the pause button was hit. Anybody ever hit the pause button on a movie? You go get a snack, go to the restroom or something, maybe, you know, five minutes and come right back. Well, this pause button lasted 15 years. I never saw Jasmine again for 15 years of my life. I never really interacted with God for 15 years of my life. And then, right around that 2010, 2011 time frame for me, that play button was hit again. And so now here we are. We pick up right in 2010. I just come back from my military training, and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I recognize that I am a sinner that needs saving. So on May 22nd, 2010, I get baptized in Jesus' name right in that baptism take right there. It was beautiful, and I resume my love story with Jesus. Then in that same season, I meet Jasmine. Mm-mm. And now what was interesting is that neither one of us knew that that photo actually existed. And so I felt like I was meeting Jasmine for the first time. So then we both ended up at a Reach Richmond block party. Y'all remember those Reach Richmond block parties? Yeah, there was so much fun. We would go on a Saturday to a lower income community right here in the Richmond area, apartment complex. We would just throw this huge party. I'm talking free food, bouncy house, face painting, live worship, prayer, preaching of the word. I mean, all that good stuff all in one place. It was so fun. And I remember I put some gloves on. I was staying on the buffet line. I was there serving fried chicken, y'all. I was saying, hey, how you doing? Oh, yes, there you go. Two legs and a thigh. Perfect. I got you. Free. They were loving it, right? And then, guess who shows up next to me? Yeah, Jasmine. <laughs> she put on some gloves, and she got in there. She was serving fried chicken, too. Can you just imagine that picture on the other side looking at us? 2011, Steve and Jasmine serving fried chicken together, and now we pursuing Chick-fil-A. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so we have a wonderful time. You know, we're flirting. We're bumping elbows, you know, having lots of laughs. Have a wonderful time. So we're cleaning up later that evening. And, you know, I felt that connection, right? I was like, man, Jasmine is so cool. She's so beautiful. Like, damn, maybe I can work up the courage to go get them digits, y'all. You know what I mean? So I go over there. I say, hey, Jasmine, (laughs) you know, you felt that too, right? Yeah. Let me get that phone number, you know. So she gave me those digits, and we were talking every day since then. But there was nothing official yet, but we both could feel a connection. So in this time in my life, I had two love stories running parallel. I had Jesus. And now I had Jasmine. And so I was talking to Jesus. I was like, thank you so much for introducing me to your daughter. I mean, she is amazing. Because, Lord, I'm done playing games, okay? Like, I'm trying to find my soulmate. And so Jasmine and I have our first little hangout at Chili's. Now, I thought it was our first date, but she said it was our hangout. Okay, so that's fine. That's fine. So I'm sitting across from her at a booth. 
And, I mean, y'all, I was just so mesmerized by her beauty. I was just like, man, Jasmine, you are just so pretty. You are just so beautiful. And you just see that menu just slowly rising up in front of her face out of shyness and embarrassment. But then we had a great time. And then I got my opportunity to have our first official date. We went to Can-Can right in Richmond, nice little French restaurant in Carytown. And I just remember her sitting in there. It was a real nice, fancy place. And she just looked mesmerized by the place, just the ambiance. And I can just see just how special she felt, how honored she felt. And I wanted to make sure that that took place. So after getting to know Jasmine for a little bit, spending time having homework dates on her college campus, still at this point, I wanted to be sure and 100% positive that the next woman I dated would be my wife. So I prayed, y'all. I prayed for like four months straight. I was fasting, y'all. I mean, until I made sure I found the green light and I felt it deep within my soul that Jasmine was the one. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Some of you are trying to find your spouse on your own. Or you're trying to navigate your boyfriend-girlfriend relationship all on your own. Or you're trying to restore your marriage all by yourself. Go ahead and invite God into the mix. Add some prayer in there, add some fasting in there, okay, to your journey of either finding true love or restoring your current love story, and God will give you the clarity you're looking for and the wisdom to move forward. That was for somebody today. Okay, moving on. So, I wanted to make this official, you know, I I got the green light from God, I wanted Jasmine to be my girlfriend. So, you know, of course, I got the blessing from the Heavenly Father, you know, he said, yep, green light, check. And, of course, I want to talk to her parents as well, ask if I can date their daughter. They say yes. You know, they love me as one of their own, so that was easy. Check. But, y'all, I'm foonish, right? I got to do it big, right? So Christmas time. Picture this. Jasmine loves Christmas. Christmas lights, presents, Christmas music, Jesus, like the whole shebang, favorite holiday, Christmas. So this is going to be a real nice romantic time. So I ran a whole limousine, beautiful limousine. Invite her side of the family, my side of the family. We're like 12 deep in this limo. And we're taking a full tacky light tour of Christmas lights all around Richmond. It was beautiful. And so we get to this one house, y'all. It was like three front yards big. I mean, huge. So many Christmas lights. So big that you actually had a path you could walk through, through all the Christmas lights. So I was like, oh, this is the spot right here. So we get out of the limo. We're walking hand in hand beautiful Christmas lights. Well, we get to this one spot. It's like a little platform with like a gazebo set up. So Jasmine and I step up on the platform and you just become surrounded by Christmas lights. I mean, a full 360. So romantic. And so, you know, I popped the question right there. So Jasmine, will you be my girlfriend? She said, yes, without hesitation. Praise God. But before I could even ask Jasmine to be my girlfriend, I had to ask Jesus to be my savior. You see, so many times people do this in reverse order. Priorities are not in line, and they seek the love from another human being before they seek the love of Christ. They try to win the heart of a boyfriend or a girlfriend before allowing their own heart to be won by God. So it's a heart check, folks. So if you're in that season right now, just make sure you keep a pulse so that spiritually you don't flatline. Okay, back to the love story. So Jasmine and I dated for two years, and it was time for me to man up, y'all. It was time for me to get down on one knee and propose. Mm. Now, her birthday was Friday, January 3rd, so I planned for the day after her birthday on Saturday, January 4th, 2014. Now, prior to this day, you know, I did my homework. You know, I visited the the, the site numerous times. 
beautiful vineyard. I went there the first time, met the owner and everything, and they were like, wow, that's really cool. You want to propose to your girlfriend here? That's amazing. I'm so excited. So we're brainstorming ideas. And I'm like, well, she loves horses. She's like, well, I have a few horses. Maybe we can have them roaming around in the hills, or maybe you can put the ring on the mane, and that'd be so cool. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, well, Stephen, um, do you know how to ride a horse? And I said, this city boy, mm-mm. I've never been on a horseback in my life. She said, how about this? How about you come back next week, and I'm going to give you a free lesson on how to ride a horse. You can incorporate that into your proposal. I was like, yes, that's awesome. So I get there the following week. She's showing me how to groom the horse, what a stirrup is, the saddle, all that good stuff. And a side note, you know, the first time I tried to get on the horse, yeah, I fell off on the other side. About this far from a pile of horse poop, yep. So I'm glad I was working out the kinks then. But we take a beautiful uh, tour all the way around the vineyard, through the trail, through the woods. I mean, it was picturesque, y'all. And then I get to the spot where I see I'm like, that's the spot right there where I'm going to propose to Jasmine. It's a beautiful little pond, a little kind of walk just like that up there on the screen. And what was cool is I had my buddy photographer in the wood line across the pond ready to take that shot. So I get down on one knee, I propose, and it was just beautiful, y'all. I'm so thankful. And guess what? Six months later, we got married on July 5th, 2014, and this summer will be seven years of marriage for us. Yes. Amen. Now, if you have the courage to do this, raise your hand if in your marriage you're the one who is the boss. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. You might get yourself in trouble. Now, everyone here knows who's the boss in the Funes marriage, right? <laughs> exactly. Jasmine, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we have a lot of teamwork, communication, compromise. We fill each other's love tanks. I'm able to effectively love her. She's able to effectively respect me. So our marriage works out great. Now, for the audio recording here, everyone knows Jasmine's the boss, but really, okay, moving on. Now, in looking at our relationship with Jesus, who's the boss? Who takes the lead? Who is in charge? Now, many of us would like to say, well, of course God is the one calling the shots in my relationship. I mean, he's my pilot. You know, Jesus takes the wheel. But in reality, our free will overrides what's supposed to be, what's supposed to happen. And our free will gets us in a lot of trouble. You know, we try to do our own thing, do our own will. And then if that doesn't work, just speaking for myself, do you think that's when I turn to God? Nope. I try a few more alternatives to my original plan. And then after I'm exhausted and I just lost all hope and I'm just on the verge of giving up, that's when I turn to God's will as a last resort. But that's not the way he wants to do things, right? But God wants to be in charge. He wants to take lead. He wants to be in total control, but he's a gentleman. So as he gently leads, we must faithfully obey, faithfully listen, faithfully follow. It's like dancing, right? When both dance partners try to take the lead, it looks more like this. No, go, you go left. No, I'm supposed to stop it, right? You're stepping all over each other and tripping. But guess what? If everyone knows their, knows their position and Jesus says, I'm taking lead, right? And then the other dancer, us, follows the lead, it becomes seamless and beautiful. Amen. Now, I shared with you my cool, really great, you know, romantic proposal to Jasmine. However, there was a proposal far greater than mine, Jesus' proposal to us all. Now, Jesus' proposal started in John chapter 19, verse 1. So I'm going to go to, I'm going to shift gears here, okay? John 19, verse 1. 
It says, then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. No one in history has ever survived a full Roman crucifixion. The Romans designed it to be humiliating, torturous, a surefire method of execution. Now, prior to the crucifixion, there is a flogging process that takes place. They use what's called a flagrum, which is a whip that was designed to rip the skin off the body and cause excessive bleeding. So after just a few lashes, the victim's skin began to come off in ribbons and their muscles tore. And after a few more lashes, the victim, the muscles were like, became like pulp. And then the arteries in their veins were just laid bare. And sometimes the flag would actually reach around the abdomen and the abdomen wall would give way, causing the victim's intestines to spill out. What I want you to recognize, folks, is that many people died during the flogging alone. A few verses later, John chapter 19, verse 18. It says, there they nailed him to the cross. So after the flogging, victims were nailed through their arms to a cross beam. The nails would go right through that median nerve here, causing extreme pain and incapacitating the hands. And then a seven-inch nail would then be driven through both feet, and the crucifixion victim would be made to hang from his arms, a position that makes it nearly impossible to breathe. So Jesus would have to use his little remaining energy to push against the nail in his feet just so that he could breathe out. Then he could breathe in as he sagged back down, but he would have to push back up before breathing out again. And when all his energy was drained and he could no longer push up, he would die of asphyxiation or suffocation. A few verses later, John 19, 33 and 34. It says, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs like they normally do. But one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water flowed out. Now this further signified his biological death. Now, just hours before all of this, just hours before his crucifixion, we look at Matthew 26, verse 39. And it says, Jesus went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Now, in this moment of prayer, he knows about the crucifixion and all of the pain that is to come. But then look what he says after that. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So on the human level of experiencing pain, of course, Jesus did not want to be crucified. But on a deeper level, Jesus wanted God's will to be done, and so he was willing to be crucified. His prayer reveals his humanness and his terrible suffering. But literally, the sinless Son of God took our sins upon himself to save us from eternal suffering and separation from God. Jesus had the, all the power in the universe at his disposal. Yet instead of getting down on one knee, Jesus died on the cross as his proposal. Will you marry me? In times of suffering, people sometimes wish they knew the future or could understand the reason for their anguish. 
See, Jesus knew what lay ahead of him, and he knew the reason. But even so, his struggle was intense, more wrenching than any struggle we will ever have to face. Luke 22, verse 44. It says, he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So what does it take to be able to say, God, I want your will to be done? What does it take? It takes firm trust in God's plans. It takes prayer. And it takes obedience each step of the way. So Jesus Christ was basically saying, even though I knew you were going to betray me, even though I knew you were going to cheat on me, love other things over me, I still died for you. I still offered you my unconditional love, resurrected from the grave, defeated death itself, and I offer you eternal life. So I offer you the good news, the gospel, to accept me and allow us to become one for eternity. In other words, will you marry me? Now, God uses some unique circumstances to illustrate his love for his people. Sending his son to die on the cross for us is one of those examples. I'll give you another example you may not have realized was in the Bible, because apparently I have overlooked this story until just last year. Look at the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel, the nation Israel, through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. What? So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel as a nation has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Wow. God told Hosea to marry a prostitute and reveal to him ahead of time that she would be unfaithful to him. Although she would bear children, some of these offspring would likely be fathered by others. Yet in obedience to God, Hosea married the prostitute whose name is Gomer. Can you imagine? Now, a covenant had been made between God and the nation Israel, and God, of course, was faithful. His love was steadfast and his commitment unbroken. But Israel, like Gomer, was adulterous and unfaithful, rejecting God's love and turning in instead to false gods. Two chapters later, Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. It said, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. You see, God asked Hosea to do something unimaginable, to pursue his adulterous, unrepentant wife and continue to love her. Now, when everyone heard about this, I mean, they must have been amazed, right? I mean, the idea that Hosea would willingly marry a prostitute out of obedience to God, knowing that she would cheat on him and have children with other men, and then still pursue her and continue to love her as his wife. That's powerful. Now, that love story 
runs parallel with the love story of God and us, his people. So we're sinful. We're imperfect. And many times we put so many other things and so many other people before God. Yet despite all of that, God displayed such unconditional love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to die for me, resurrected from the grave so that you and I can have eternal life with him. Oh, if you like that good news, go ahead and give God some praise right now. Praise God. Now, I remember being at my wedding altar. This was July 5th, 2014. I was sharply dressed looking all handsome, auditorium full of witnesses. But time stood still when those doors opened up and everything else was just blurred out and my focus was completely on Jasmine. Mm. Now, I cried like a baby, I'm going to be honest. She came down that aisle, I was really trying to keep my tears coming down. But then I was just trying to hold back these tears of joy. But my heart was overflowing with more than just milk and honey. Amen. My princess was walking down the aisle about to become my queen. And during the sharing of our vows, I simply spoke from the heart, pouring my heart out to Jasmine and crying like a baby again because the moment was so real and indescribable. The love was so pure and full of life. It was certainly a divine appointment. I remember a similar feeling when I find myself at a prayer altar, whether that is up here in the front of the platform or in my chair or right at home. You see, at the prayer altar, I would simply do the very same things. I would speak from my heart, pouring my heart out to God and crying like a baby because these moments in God's presence are so real and indescribable. The love I feel is so pure and full of life. They are certainly divine appointments. So today, God wants to have a divine appointment with you. Jesus is asking, do you love me? Do you really love me? Are you even my friend? You see, Jesus has proposed to you on the cross, and now he is asking, will you marry me? Jesus is asking, do you believe in me? Now, the appropriate response is, I do. Do you love me? I do. Do you trust me? I do. Now, in order for a man to be a man after God's own heart, he must fully say, I do to Jesus. In order for a woman to become Proverbs 31, she must fully say, I do to Jesus. And just like at a wedding altar where you surrender your old self, your old life to be joined with your spouse, to become one and start a new life, you have an opportunity today to position yourself at an altar, surrender your old self, crucify your old flesh, surrender to God your past sins and mistakes, and start a new life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Amen. Musicians, you can make your way up at this time. God is speaking to you right now in your heart about something. You feel it. 
And you have a chance today to respond to him. God's been asking, where have you been? I've been at the altar waiting for you. God's been asking, I already proposed to you. So what happened to your ring? You don't remember the ring when I called you out of darkness and into marvelous things. See, you wear it in you. God is saying, we don't even have to worry about remembering our anniversary because I have yet to find a calendar with a date for eternity. God is a gentleman. He's already proposed. And now he is asking, will you marry me? Will you fully become one with me? Will you fully accept all of me into your life? Or are you still hesitant? Because your story is more like Gomer, continuing to run away from God, continuing to go down the wrong path. I mean, why are you still doing those things you know were the reasons Jesus was flogged in the first place? Jesus was flogged nearly to death for you. Jesus was crucified and died for you. How many more times must you crucify him? Some of you are in a critical spot in your life right now. Some of you, praise God, might be in a sweet spot where you have received numerous blessings and you have been positioned to have more influence and more responsibility. Some of you are in a unique spot. You're on the fence. Some critical decisions you have to make in the near future. Some of you, quite frankly, are in a rough spot. Some of you are walking through hell on earth and you just need a miracle. Regardless of where you are today, God wants us to step out of our comfort zones. You see, when we take a step physically, we can take a step spiritually. But if we can't step out of our comfort zones physically, then spiritually we won't be able to either. Now normally, we have the option right here in the auditorium to come up to the front to this wonderful altar space that we've created. However, what's so cool about God is that he will meet us right where we are. We can create an altar space outside, in our cars, and even in our homes. You see, an altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar, we, at an altar, we crucify our flesh in sinful ways, getting rid of things that are hindering us from drawing closer to God. At an altar, we repent. At an altar is where we cry out to God on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of our family or on behalf of others. An altar is where we listen for God in our hearts. Now this requires a posture of surrender and sacrifice. And I'm going to give you three practical ways, because there's no perfect way to pray. There's no perfect way to worship. That's between you and God. But I'm going to give you three practical ways that you can posture yourself at an altar that you create. Okay, are you ready? You can do this with me. The first one is simply open palms, just like this, right in front of you. This signifies full availability to God because God can freely give and freely take. You are a vessel for him. Say, God, if you want to give me that, my palms are open to receive it. God, if you want to take that from me, my palms are open for you to take it. It's full availability. Now, the second posture, just rotate your hands just like this. This is a posture of repentance. Like, whoa, 
my bad, or, oh, I'm sorry, or don't touch that, right? It's that natural response. It's right here. God, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. I want to turn away from those sins, God, and turn to you. Thank you, Jesus. And this last posture, when you are ready to fully say, I do, when you're ready to go all in, even if you're a Christian right now, but you just haven't quite gone all in, you get in that posture of full surrender, where you say, I do. God, I'm here for you. Lord, I'm done with my will. I want your will to be done. I will do whatever it takes in Jesus' name. So you can put your hands down. You see, what's great is that you can do these postures standing up or even sitting down. And these postures are taking that first step of saying, I do, to Jesus. Now, another level you can go to for surrender and humility is right on your knees. So if you're physically able, I want you to go ahead and take a knee right where you are, right in your homes, wherever you are. Just go ahead and take a knee. You see, because God is present right where you are. Lord, if if I just whisper your name, Jesus, he hears you. If you call on his name, Jesus, he comes to you. If you shout out his name, Jesus, he comes running to you. Another option you have right where you are, Stephen, kneel at your chair, facing your chair. Because sometimes you just need to lean into God. You just need to lean into his grace and just have a private moment with God where you can come to his throne with confidence and give him everything that's been weighing you down. So if you have a chair near you, just grab it. If you're in your living room, just get right in front of it. This is God's throne right here. You're at the feet of Jesus. And you can just lean right on in because you just have this altar space created just for you and God. Say, God, I'm so sorry. Lord, I have all this this stuff I'm carrying. God, it's just weighing me down, but I want to take it and put it right here at your feet. Lord, remove it from me. God, I have these huge prayer requests and I can't do it on my own, Lord. I feel so weak, but I know you are strong, God, and so I know your strength is made perfect in weakness. So, God, I I want to boast about all my insecurities, about all the things that I've done wrong, God, because I know that your strength can hold me up, can hold my family up, my children. God, I know you are right here. And you can let those teardrops just fall right into the cushion, right into the seat where you are, because God is there. God is waiting for you. Your altar is open. You have practical ways now to connect with God today. So don't miss this moment. This moment is for you. God is with you, and he is listening. So at this time, go ahead, find your altar, get into that position. Because there's something so powerful when you get into the right posture and the right mindset before God. How you respond to Jesus' proposal on the cross will determine the legacy you leave behind. What legacy do you want to leave? What legacy do you want your children to remember? Will your legacy point to Christ? Now is the time to take that next step. So as you're praying at your altar, I'm going to pray over you as well. Heavenly Father, oh God.
for the millionth time, it's me again, Lord. And I could feel confident saying that for the millionth time, it's me again, because rather than judging me, rather than shunning me, you are there ready with these big open arms, just ready to embrace me and comfort me, God, and fill me with such peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I'm in a posture of just full availability. I'm here for you. You can take what you want to take. You can give me what you want to give me. But I am here for you, fully available. God, I'm in this posture of repentance, Lord. I'm sorry for all the wrong things that I've done. God, forgive me. I want to be done with all of that. I want to turn instead to you. I want to run to you. God, I'm in this posture of just full surrender. I fully accept your proposal on the cross. Everything you've done for me, you did for me. And I accept it, God. And I want to live for you for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. And God, right now, I want to just pray for everyone that's at their altar. God, I just want your Holy Spirit to hover over each of them. God, let your Holy Spirit flow into these homes, Lord. Through the children, God, that are present. God, that they would just seek after you with such a childlike faith. Lord, that you would just pour blessings and protection over your people as they seek to draw that much closer and deeper with you. God, we trust you. We love you so much. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So as you're praying at your altar, I'm going to feel free to just continue praying. Continue to apply what you've learned today. And continue to keep Jesus as your main priority. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. In Jesus' name.